Welcome to That Vacation Co. Podcast. You can tell by the music that today we're talking That Disney Hustle. I'm Caleb. Chanel is here with me. And uh, let's kick this off. We've been doing a series going through Magic Kingdom and all of its wonderful lands. Last time we did an episode, uh, we talked about Adventureland. And we love to go left when we get into the Magic Kingdom. Uh, some people swear that you got to start in Tomorrowland. We swear you need to start in Adventureland. Uh, so we're going to hold off on doing Main Street USA till the last episode of this series. But as you've made your way down Main Street USA and you hit the hub, we're telling you take a left, go into Adventureland. We've gone through Adventureland, and now we're heading westward, uh, both in direction and in time. Uh, straight up into Frontierland, and uh, this land is a really cool land. We enjoy it, and we think that uh, it's got some of the best nostalgic-type rides for us as well. I mean, it's hard to really, as we've looked at this list, it's hard to really get past that almost all of the attractions in Magic Kingdom, with the exception of a few, really have that nostalgia factor. And uh, so that's, yeah, it's it's all up in there in Frontierland. So we're going to talk about the attractions. We're going to give our thumbs up and thumbs down on the attractions. And then we're going to talk about dining. We'll give our thumbs up and thumbs down, or will we? I don't know, on the dining. And then we'll talk about some shops, kind of because we did that in Adventureland, so we'll continue that here in Frontierland. Hard to give shops thumbs up, thumbs down, so we'll just kind of tell you about the shops because a gift shop is a gift shop. Um, I mean, there are some, you know, cool stuff at gift shops, um, but that's always rotating as well. So, you know, it's hard to give a thumbs up, thumbs down for that kind of stuff. So we're going to kick off this episode with a thrilling ride uh, that Chanel's going to talk about called Splash Mountain. Okay, so we're, we're kicking it off with a bang. I love Splash Mountain. I'll say for me already, it's a double thumbs up. Um, this is a, an attraction that I really love and a land that I really love. Adventureland is my favorite, but Frontierland comes in at a close, close second for me. It reminds me of the Dig- Disney Legends uh, series a little bit, like Pecos Bill and um, Babe in the Big Blue Ox and that kind of stuff. So I really love this land. Splash Mountain is a, it's called a flume ride, which means uh, there is a water element to it. So you you get into these log-shaped um, little carts and you go through the ride and it's got a jaunting little tune. It's lots of fun and a big splash surprise awaits you in this ride. Um, and depending on where you sit, you can get very wet or just maybe a little bit splashed. Um, hence the name Splash Mountain. This attraction did come into the parks in July of 1992. And I can remember whenever this attraction came out, even though I never did go as a child, I can remember Disney Channel, of course, promoting it, uh, promoting the heck out of it and interviewing kids and them talking about how much they loved it. Um, so this is a beloved ride. It is getting ready to undergo some re-theming. If we're not mistaken, it is going to possibly be um, Princess and the Frog Tiana themed, which will be interesting because I absolutely love Princess and the Frog and Tiana. It's one of my all-time favorite Disney animated films. Being a Louisiana girl, I have um, lots of love for the film, and so does Olive. And so, But we also love the 
the original theming of Splash Mountain. So it will be interesting to see. It's always uh, it's always a bittersweet thing for me when Disney decides to update beloved classics. So we'll see. I'm sure they'll do it justice. Um, again, love this ride. Love the theming all the way throughout. I, you know, I love the queue. I love the jaunting little tune as you're going through Splash Mountain. Caleb, do you have a favorite part of Splash Mountain? The getting off part? <clears throat> no, I... Uh... Me and Splash Mountain have a love-hate relationship. Um, I love it, but I also hate it. And uh, I, I guess everything except the drop I love. Uh, but I'm, as I've mentioned a few times, I'm scared of heights. And so when we get to that drop, uh, it's it's a little bit terrifying for me. And, you know, laugh all you want. You can go to your laughing place and, and laugh all you want about me. But um, that part of it is not enjoyable for me. Uh, but I do it. I do it because the rest of it is enjoyable enough. Um, I guess I like kind of the first half of the attraction. Uh, you know, you're kind of leading up to the storyline of when you get to the drop. But once the music kind of takes that more of an eerie twist, that's kind of when I'm I'm done. And I don't really like the last scene where they're all on that big riverboat celebrating and all that stuff. I'm not really a big, big fan of that scene feels a little dated um but the the beginning half i think uh, is is i think legit ride and it's a long attraction it is that that is a long ride you uh you get your money's worth on that one yeah i always forget when i get on it i'm like oh yeah this this is longer than i remembered um so again double thumbs up for me what was it for you one one thumb for caleb so um it's kind of quivering because of the drop it's a quivering thumb (laughs) That's a quivering thumb for Caleb. And just a helpful little piece of information, uh, because I'm looking at it right now. Um, For your children, 40 inches is the height to ride this ride. I think that's like 102 centimeters. Exactly. Um, For those of us who use the, what is that? That's metric, right? metric. For those of you who use the metric system. Um, So Olive actually has not ridden this ride, because the first time we had access to Splash Mountain, she was too small. And this last time that we went, was she? Did, was the ride closed? We went in January. So here's a little That's tip right. for you in planning your trip. Uh, any of the water attractions that are outdoors, so this is like Splash Mountain, uh, any of the river rapid type rides. So there's a river rapid ride in um, Disney California Adventure, which that one probably doesn't have to close quite as long because they don't get quite the cool, cool temperatures out there. But... Um, in Orlando, any of these type of water rides that are outside will close for refurbishment, uh, usually about January and February, because it, it's the colder months. You're probably not wanting to get that wet anyways and be outside. Uh, so they'll close down. They'll do their paint touch-ups. They'll do any of the physical refurb type things that they need to do. Uh, I guess the exception with Splash Mountain is obviously with a retheme quickly approaching like Chanel was talking about. It may go down for an extended refurb at some point, but I have yet to see a date on that. So if you're planning a trip to the Magic Kingdom, um, crowds generally are lower in January and February, but you are going to miss out on some of these classic attractions like Splash Mountain. So something to consider. Yes, so we're hoping to get one last ride on it before it gets its retheme, and it, if we do, it will be Olive's first time ever yes. to ride it. She's at least 102 centimeters right now. Yes, exactly. 
Um, so the next attraction on our list is Big Thunder, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Also, your little one needs to be at least 40 inches or 102 centimeters. Um, this is a ride through a gold mining town on a runaway train. So for me, Big Thunder, um, this might sound crazy and ludicrous and maybe even just sacrilegious to some, but Big Thunder for me is a, is a little bit forgettable. How dare you? <laughs> like, it, so it's going to get a thumb, a thumb up for me. Um, I do like, um... I do like roller coaster rides, so it's not a problem for me. It's not a it's not an over the top roller coaster ride. I have a funny memory on it um, of this lady shouting in Spanish behind me, uh, "Dios mío, oh no, Dios mío!" It must have been a really big ride for her, um, which I think on the scale of roller coasters, it's definitely on the smaller end. <laughs> but she really, you know thought it was a big deal um but so the theming is sort of a mining town and um things like that i guess i i maybe i don't know we didn't we haven't ridden it a lot because caleb is not a big roller coaster fan but he will ride this one um and i think i like the california version just a little better so few thoughts um i'll start with the last thing chanel said i do agree i actually do think disneyland's version is better uh, but I, I actually think that a good bit about some of these attractions. Ooh, excuse me, allergies. Oh, killing me this week. Um, yeah, I think Disneyland's version is better. But I actually do like this ride. Um, I'm, as Chanel said, I'm not a big roller coaster fan. And maybe that gives you some evidence that this is not a very thrilling roller coaster although i probably was much like that lady chanel was talking about it is about on my thrill level gauge as like this is about all it can handle um i i enjoy it i think for me the theming of it is not forgettable at all i love the theming of it i love the detail that goes behind it so I think one of my favorite things about walt disney world and disneyland has always been the attention to detail um, you know, longtime Imagineer, now retired Joe Rohde, actually put a post out today comparing the difference between uh, fun and creativity that goes behind the theming elements of a theme park. And he kind of compared it in a very nuanced way to like, you got cheap thrills and you have like the stuff that goes like way, like layer upon layer upon layer of creativity and stuff like that. And he was saying that there one time there was a coworker or somebody who was like, why can't we just do fun? Why do we have to do all these layers and layers and layers and layers of intricate detail that nobody's going to pay attention to? And he's, he, his response was essentially like, I could go find a cheap inflatable pool and have fun. You know, spend 50 bucks. But there are people coming to these theme parks who are spending hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. And they're not looking for just fun. If they wanted fun throw up a pool in their backyard, have a great time, go at it. But they're spending time here and tons of money because they want to have an experience and they want to have something that will last a lifetime. So the details are what's important. It's all in the details, baby. And um, yeah, the Imagineers and Joe Rohde didn't, was, was not the Imagineer, obviously, for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad because that was before... I believe that was before his time as an Imagineer. I'll have to look back at the uh, the old calendar there. Uh, but 
the attention the attention to detail to me is is fun on this ride as you're walking through the queue there's all sorts of little details about the company that owns the the uh mine uh or the the gold mine there um even on the attraction there's all sorts of details about how something has gone wrong uh, i had to kind of chuckle this idea of a runaway train uh, being the part of the theme, it seems like Disney has a lot of problems with runaway trains because they've got another ride over at Hollywood Studios that is essentially just a runaway train. Um, in fact, it's in the name. We'll get to that when we get to Hollywood Studios. But um, I, overall, I do like this ride. I will give it one thumbs up because, or one thumb up, I guess. Uh, I I like it, but it's not at the level where this is like my classic must-do. In fact, the last time we went to Disney World... Um, in 2020, right before COVID shut everything down, at the end of January, we were there. Uh, we did not ride this attraction. Part of it was due because due to Olive not being able to ride, but also uh, we just were doing other things as well, so we didn't ride it the last time. However, when we went to Disneyland uh, in 2017, we all rode it with the exception of Olive. We did the handy-dandy rider swap, which if you're wondering about a rider swap, this is one of those things, it seems like a lot of people aren't aware of Rider Swap, uh, though I hear it constantly being talked about by all the big hitters in the Disney vlogosphere world. Uh, Rider Swap is essentially you get in line. Right now, you have to get in the standby line because there's no fast pass, but th- there seems to be some rumblings about that coming back. Your party waits in line in the standby line. You get to the front. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's reverse that. You start by talking to a cast member. They scan your magic bands, and then you get in the standby line. That party rides, and then uh, when they're getting off, uh, whoever waited with the child who is under the height restrictions, um, you can swap riders, and you can skip the standby line. Uh, so it's it's a pretty cool experience. Um, that way, everybody in the party gets to ride it, and... If you happen to be the lucky two people that kind of go along with, you might be able to get to ride it twice. So uh, pretty cool idea. I love the rider swap thing. We've used it quite a number of times. Let's uh, let's move on to Tom Sawyer Island. All right. So Tom Sawyer Island. This it- is a thrill ride. <laughs> this um, This is, well, it's just what it says it's Tom Sawyer's Island. It's a little island there in the middle of Frontierland around, you know, and I'm not even sure if it has a name of the the water system there that's oh, in Frontierland. Oh, how dare you. Um sorry, Caleb is about to school me. Um so Tom Sawyer Island is probably great if you have Little boys are very adventure. It's the Rivers of America, of course. Uh, the Rivers of America is the artificial river found in the frontier land areas of the two Disney parks. Um, and so, and so, it this little island is smack dab in the middle of this waterway, and you have to take um, like a like a raft type thing to get to it, um, which is fun. And that's about the funnest part. Um, so it's just sort of a walkthrough. It's sort of, I guess, like a, like a, not even like a queue, but it's just sort of a place where 
kids can run around and there's there's no like real structures on the island that I recall. There's some play areas. There's some play areas. It's just maybe a fun space. Like I said, I I, I could see little boys maybe having fun yeah. with it because it's just a space to run around and maybe it feels kind of cool like you're on a little island. Yeah. It's to me it sounds cooler than what it actually it was a bit of a letdown for me. So I think I think Tom Sawyer Island is just so outdated. It's no longer, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I know there are people who actually really love it. In my opinion, it's so outdated that it is no longer really viable as a space for entertainment. I just think it's too boring. Um, I think back when it first opened, uh, when you know things were uh, a little different culturally, uh, when Walt designed this stuff, there was the whole element of cowboys and Indians and things like that that made this maybe more attractive or something. Um, and then as well, like the story of Tom Sawyer and all of that, there's you know some elements of that since it is Tom Sawyer Island. Um, but I just think it's outdated. And really, it just feels like a space that when Magic Kingdom is jam-packed, there's some... St- area you know some open area where people can go it's kind of like that overflow room there's no frills there's no thrills but you can go hang out and stand on an island there you go have some fun Uh, now i do know and i'm not trying to rain on everybody's parade i know there are people who love this area and that's fine um i just really would like it to be updated and you know used maybe for an attraction or used for something a little bit more fun. Um, and maybe your family has thoroughly enjoyed it, but uh, that's that's my thoughts. So I'm going to give it currently a thumbs down. I'm going to have to echo that. Thumbs down for me. I hate to say that. Um, because it seems like it could, it seems like it could be a good idea some way, somehow. Um, but we, we did it once quite a while back and we, we skip it now, honestly, just because there's so much more to do, so much more to pack in that we just, we don't have time for it, honestly. So, yeah. So moving on, uh, we're going to come to one of our favorite attractions. Uh, maybe, maybe we could word it like this. This is one of our favorite shows at all of Walt Disney World, really, and that is the beloved Country Bear Jamboree. Have a knee slap in time with these singing bears. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think the first time we did this attraction, I wasn't quite sure what to think. But as it went on, I started to just like it more and more and more. It kind of has this element of like a vaudeville performance, you know, back in the day. You know, it, it's it's a variety show with lots of singing, lots of, you know, different tunes of of sorts. It's pretty a pretty lengthy show, um, but it is hilarious. I think the last time we did it in January of 2020 when we went, I think I laughed harder than any of the other times I've done this attraction. So it is one of those that I feel like you can do over and over and over and thoroughly enjoy it. I think one of the things that's fun about it, and maybe this is why I, I laughed a lot harder, uh, we took some friends with us and, um, well, I mean, we we met friends in the parks, uh, Lane and Chella, and I don't think Lane had done this attraction the previous time he had gone to Walt Disney World. And so I'm laughing hysterically because here's Lane and Olive experiencing it for the first time. 
and they're laughing at the jokes. And adults, I will say this is one of those where there's some references that kids are not going to catch, that adults will catch, and probably cause you to chuckle a few times. Um, but I was laughing just watching their reactions to these things. So uh, I'll let Chanel maybe give you some of her favorite performances as part of the Country Bear Jamboree. But I love the animatronics in this one. Um, I love the different songs. I think I think my favorite song is probably uh, the Blood on the Water or Blood, Blood on the Saddle Stole song. Stole my favorite. Uh, I'll let you talk about it, though. Stole it, because I have strong feelings about Big Al. Okay, um, I love this attraction. It's definitely a double thumbs up and maybe some toes as well um, for me. I, th- I think this attraction has grown in my in my. I have grown in my love for this attraction. Um, I think it's my favorite attraction. My favorite, like we said, maybe not a. Tr- it's a show, whatever. It's my favorite thing. I think in Frontierland, um, and I. That's kind of hard to say because I really do love Splash Mountain, um, but I have grown to love this this thing more and more. Country Bear Jamboree. I. I, my favorite performance is Big Al. I love Blood on the Saddle. I absolutely love Blood on the Saddle. But I also love I I I really enjoy it all. I love the the female bears when they come out and sing their songs. Um I won't give that away completely because if you've never been, there's sort of a surprise element to some of that that I don't want to give away. Um I actually love the animatronics on the wall. So when you walk in and you sit down and your cast member sort of kicks the show off and wakes everybody up, I love the attractions on the wall. You've got uh, these stuffed um, animal heads on the wall, not like stuffed animal like a teddy bear, but like you've got like a a buffalo or bison and you've got um, some other characters up there and they talk and they interact with you before the actual show starts, but they're part of the show. And I actually love that. I love that. I, this is going to sound crazy, but I love that these animatronics are really old, but I love that you can like hear the clicking sounds (laughs) of like their eyelids and their movements. I don't know why. I don't know why, but I really love that. I think that again, not to get too philosophical, goes to it goes back to the nostalgia factor. You know, these are old animatronics, and you just kind of keep hoping, hoping that they keep working. It's kind of like the Tiki Room. You know, some of those animatronics, uh, the the famous moments with. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. I can't remember exactly what the name of that attraction is. It's one of the oldest animatronic. It goes back to, I believe, the 1964 World's Fair. I'll have to look that up. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, but it's nostalgia. You know, you, you love these attractions. You keep coming back for more. You know, that's why we love these these attractions. It's the same thing going over to uh, Tomorrowland and doing Carousel of Progress. You know, these are amazing attractions that stand the test of time. We love them. I know some people don't, but they're wrong. And uh, these attractions are amazing. And yes, the little clicking noises that happen when these the eyelids are opening and the mouth are singing these songs uh, are amazing. Yeah. So I I really love those animals up on the wall. And I love here. Here's the here's the detail element that Caleb was talking about. 
So while the actual show is going on and the bears are up there singing and playing their music and everything, um, the animals on the wall are watching with you. So it's not like they just shut down because the spotlight's not on them anymore. They are part of the spectator audience as well. And every now and then I like to look over at them during the show. Like I said, there's no spotlight on them or anything. But you can still every now and then hear their little eyelid clicks. You can see them every now and then tilt their head or move their head in some way. Um, because it's not a forgotten detail. It's it's one of those layers like Caleb was talking about that Joe Rody talks about. Um, that even if most people don't notice it... They put it there because, to me, I, th- I, think, I think artists and detail-oriented people and the Imagineers, I think they put so much into this. They know that the masses will not see a lot of it, but they know that some will. And so they put it in there for the some that will. It's kind of like super fans are going to notice things about, you know, different series that others won't. And the creatives that do it, they put it in there for those people. So um, I encourage you, if you watch Country Bear Jamboree, glance over at the animals on the wall every now and then and notice if they've, if they change their head position or if they're looking with you at the show. So a couple little uh, insider tips, not tips, but secrets on this one. Buff is the buffalo. He's kind of the leader of the mountain animals. He was voiced by Disney legend Thurl Ravenscroft. That amazing voice that is heard on other attractions, and and maybe not so much uh, so anymore. I think he's only on uh, a few still to this day, but uh, they are the Haunted Mansion. He's the singing bust. Uh, He's a voice on the Mark Twain Riverboat. He's a voice on Pirates of the Caribbean and the Disneyland Railroad and Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room as Fritz. But you may be more familiar with him as the Grinch in the original. Uh, well, I guess he was the vocalist for the song, not so much for the Grinch, but uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's the voice of Thurl Ravenscroft. So he's a famous, booming bass singer. Um, another little behind-the-scenes little tidbit, if you will, uh, is that at Disneyland, uh, this attraction is no longer there. Sadly, um, it was replaced by The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 2003. And these three animatronics that Chanel has been talking about, there's a buffalo named Buff. There is Melvin, who is a bull moose. And there is Max, who is a white... white, Words are really hard today. White-tail buck. And uh, they are hanging above the entrance at the Honey Heaven Room uh, in the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh attraction or at Disneyland. So you can still see these guys over there. Yeah, so I'm going to give Country Bear Jamboree two thumbs and two toes up because I think that this is a tremendous attraction. Chanel, did you give your your ratings? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm... I could always say more about it, but that's that's my ratings for Country Bear Jamboree. Big big thumbs up. Both of them. Both of them. Both of those thumbs. All right, so uh, let's look at some dining. All right, we're done with dining because uh, sadly, Chanel and I have never done any dining in Advent- or Frontierland. 
that's like literally like two right in a row, two lands that we've never actually done dining in. You know, the funny thing is we actually did eat a meal or a snack in Adventureland this last time we went. We ordered some corn dog nuggets from Casey's Corner and brought them over to Adventureland. Um, in Frontierland, we've never done anything remotely like that. Now, I will say, with the exception of getting some snacks, because I know that we have gotten um, popcorn in Frontierland. I know that we've probably, you know, eaten some of our snacks over in Frontierland and whatnot that we've purchased elsewhere. But we've never actually had a quick service meal in Frontierland. Currently, um, what you can eat over there is Pecos Bill. Tall Tail Inn and Cafe, and Westward Ho. Both of these are listed as quick service, uh, counter service type places, although Pecos Bill, Tall Tail Inn, and Cafe is the only one that I would say is like an actual restaurant out of these two because Westward Ho is more of one of those permanent kiosk type um, of places. As well, there's Golden Oak Outpost, which is kind of a seasonal offering and is temporarily unavailable. But Westward Ho, you can get things like corn dog nuggets right now. You can also get uh, churros and other things there, some lemonade, if you will. Um, and then in Pecos Bill, uh, it's kind of a Mexican flair, Tex-Mex flair, um, fair, you know, for food. And it it's always looked appealing. We've just never done it because, as we've mentioned a few times, we are stuck on Columbia Harbor House and just never really have explored a whole lot, although we've started to break loose of that tradition a little bit. Um, we did try Pinocchio Village House this time, or this last time, and we're going to try something different this go-round when we go on our next trip. Uh, maybe we'll do Pecos Bill. I don't know, but you can get things like tacos and burritos and all of those wonderful things there. Pecos Bill is really known for its Fixin's Bar, which currently, because of COVID protocols, has remained closed. It, I, I'm not even certain it will reopen uh, which is kind of a sad thing uh, as far as having that self-service fixin's bar. Um, you know, the the ways of buffets have gone to the past. I, I don't know if we'll ever see those type of things again at a place like Disney World. So kind of sad about that, not necessarily about the buffets, but about the fixin's bar because that was kind of an appeal. You know, load up your, your stuff exactly how you want it. At one point in time, they even had the nuclear cheese there, the hot, melty plastic cheese, um, but because of lawsuits, they had to take that away. At least that's the rumor. Um, but yeah, you can you can load up on all the salsa and onions and olives that you want. Um, as far as shopping, uh, did you want to say anything about the dining? No, um, Pecos Bill. You know, I guess I don't know. It's it, the theming seems appealing to me. The the food fair actually doesn't seem that appealing to me because sort of a make your, not make your own, but spruce up your own like Tex-Mex just doesn't often appeal to me. Um, but we do, Caleb and I, we are kind of shoehorned into our favorites at, at Disneyland at, I'm sorry, at, uh, (laughs) that place too, but, uh, at Magic Kingdom, at uh, Disney World, so we we know we need to branch out, but it's just hard to branch out from beloved things. And but hopefully this trip will do that. Here's a preview of when we eventually do a Disneyland episode. But I think that the Tex-Mex, and I don't yes. know if you can call it Tex-Mex, but the Mexican offerings that we had over at Disneyland were yes. far 
better. But that's for another day, another episode, because that's another park, uh, another state. So we're going to talk about shopping now. Uh, there's Big Al's, which is, again, another one of those permanent kiosk-type locations. Um, and you can pick up uh, not, not a ton of different things. I think you can get the raccoon hats uh, like uh, I think it's Henry wears in the program of Country Bear Jamboree. Uh, but just some some little trinkets and whatnot and bottles of water and some of those little misting fans, which uh, in the summer in Orlando, Florida, are nice. Um, then there's the Briar Patch, which is the gift shop after you exit Splash Mountain and also kind of serves as the Winnie the Pooh souvenir spot as well. Then there is the Frontierland Shooting Arcade, uh, which is just that. It's an arcade. It's not really a... Uh, souvenir place um gift shop type thing we've never done that actually uh then the frontierland mercantile excuse me frontierland mercantile and the uh frontierland trading post and then as well the general store those are some of my favorite attract or attractions uh shopping spots Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is because i'm i've only bought i think a pin at these places and I think it was for Olive, actually. But I just love the feel of them. They're, they're, they're cool shops. So check those out. That's where you can get, like, uh, the little sheriff's badges and things like that. They try to have some themed gifts, obviously, to the land that you're in. Um, that's one of the things that they do well is that the merchandise is often themed to the location you're at. And so if you've got a little cowboy cowgirl with you, definitely check out these shops in Frontierland. Um, obviously, leaving Splash Mountain, there's a gift shop called um, Splash Court, which I'm just realizing um, Splash Mountain has two of them. That's odd. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't get that one. That's a little weird. Um, and then there's Trail, Tra- Trail Creek Traders, which is next to the Diamond Horseshoe. Um, so, you know, more souvenirs, lots of souvenirs in this land. I think far more than Adventureland. Um, so yeah, you can get all of your souvenirs there. Chanel? Um, I'll just say with Caleb that I love the theming of these, um, souvenir shops. They've carried, you know, the theme of the land into the shop. And like he said, the fact that they have themed products to buy, I love it. I, you know, I don't think we've bought a lot there, but I love to kick around those shops because they just have a cool vibe. And often I find that they're not terribly crowded. I find yeah. that they're kind of a cool, just kind of a cool shady spot to get to. I feel like Frontierland is a very hot land, if that makes sense. It's um, It's more open. It's more open, and there's less shade from, I don't know, attractions and trees and things like that. It's more open. It's meant to look like the Wild West. And um, just a lot of, like, concrete that's made to look like sand and dirt and things like that. But it just sort of, the sun just sort of beams off of it all. And so I feel like it, I don't know why, I just feel like it's very... hotter than usual there sometimes so those cool shops are a nice place to duck into and they're just themed really well so that does it for frontierland overall i think you can see we both love frontierland um one of our favorite lands and we'll probably say that about each land except for chanel she won't say that about tomorrowland um but next time we're gonna dig into liberty square uh again one of my favorites i love liberty square uh and 
just got some cool attractions there, some excellent dining. Uh, you've, you've already heard us talk a ton about Columbia Harbor House, so you're going to hear us talk even more about it. But I love Liberty Square. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that episode. And uh, definitely thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast each week. We appreciate that. Tell your friends about it. That's really the easiest way that you can help us. Um, that's the, the most cost-effective way that you can help us uh, is to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, another way that you can help us is if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review, you can leave a five-star rating. Um, we encourage the five stars, although, you know, be honest about your review, that's fine. Um, and then if you are really wanting to dig deep and support us, we would love if you would consider us for booking your next travel arrangements. That Vacation Co. is primarily a travel agency. We do this podcast because we just love to talk about travel and share our tips, share our experiences. Uh, But if you want to support the content here, if you want to help us to continue to do the podcast, consider using us for booking your next trip. Now, we don't just specialize in doing big trips like Disney, though we indeed do specialize in those. Um, We can also do smaller trips, little getaways. We can even do something as small as renting a car for you for the next three days. Um, We can book a hotel for you. Um, And you might say, well, I can do that just as easily. And you can. Um, The internet is great for that. Um, But I know that a lot of people don't want to have to fuss with it. So you can have somebody that handles that for you. And we would love to be those people that handle all those details for you. We can suggest places We can do all the research that goes into it and give you a hand with those things. So consider us for your next vacation, whether near or far, whether small or big, when it comes to your vacation uh, desires and needs, we can help with all of those things. Because we are that vacation company serving you the most delightful destinations. Destinations.